Welcome to the Rescue Church Podcast. This is Pastor Sarah Levecki, and this is the recording of our most recent Sunday sermon. We hope you enjoy. The mission that God had for Joseph, he, he accomplished it. And there's something that I would like you to be able to say at the end of your life. Paul said, I have run the race. I have finished the course. Jesus said, I finished the work in which you sent me to do. How can you know you finish if you don't even know what it is you're supposed to do? How can you confidently say, I finished, if you don't even know? So it's really important that you grow in your identity in Christ and you become clear about your assignment. What is it that God has called you to do? This is a very, very important thing. Here's why. I cannot do what God called you to do. You cannot do what God called me to do, but we can support each other in what God called us to do. And so when you have a church family that is supportive of one another, it creates momentum in the spirit and then people can jump in on that. For example, there's people here, and this is a, it's a blessing for us, but there's people here specifically, they are here for the one purpose of because where they were, they could not be developed. And I, and I don't say that in a negative way. I say that because that's honest and that's real. And you're here to be developed and to fulfill your ministry. You have a ministry. You have a ministry. There's a purpose for, for your life that is unique and tailor-made to you. And God is trying to form Jesus in you so that you can represent Jesus in the places that God has sent you. This is very basic one-on-one. And so when you see the life of Joseph, you see a man who came under the formation of God. And during that, that formation, you see the pressing of God. You see a whole bunch of things that happens in his life that is really essential to who he was becoming, but the assignment that God had for him. So my hope for you is that one day you're old and you say, I finished the work that God sent me to do. That, so mission accomplished is my goal for your life. So I want to just clearly state that, that there is a mission for your life and we clearly have an agenda and a mission and that is the gospel and that is being a blessing to all nations and that is the promise that God made to Abraham that is then uh, in, is enforced through the church and in, in, in a good way, I mean enforced, I don't mean in a bad way, but I mean, you know, it's released through the gospel through the preaching of the gospel, through making disciples, through healing the sick, through caring for the poor, through getting people healed, getting people saved, getting people well, equipping people, mentoring people, nurturing the gifts that God put in people, allowing people to understand about the, the, the liabilities that they have in their life that they're not yet fully aware of, allowing them to understand the assets that God has given them, the gifts that God has given them, the talents that God has given them, the desires and propensities that God has given them, how to guard all that. So we're here to really you know, equip people. So now I want to just go through Genesis 46 real quick. And uh, we're going to, I'm going to do my best to really move through this, you know, at a, at a high pace. And so you go, you go all the way back to the beginning. Joseph is young. He has favor. He's got the coat of many colors and that triggers his brothers. His father showed him uh, favoritism, which is a very, very unwise thing to do. If you have multiple children, you know that that will create hostility. God is not uh, into that. Although he gives people favor, God does not show partiality. In other words, how you respond to God will determine how God responds to you. The Bible takes it so, so crazy and says, to the fraud, God will show himself as a fraud. So if you're a hustler and you think everyone is fake, God will show himself like that to you. So that means that your theology is the thing that shapes your biography. So if you have a distorted view of God, your story will be distorted. So, so, God, so then he, you know, he gets this dream and he thinks his dream is about him. Are you guys, are you guys with me? Oh, my, the sun, the moon, and stars are going to bow down to me, which is his parents and his brothers. So he thinks that it's about him, but it's not really about him. This is was the imagery. So then they sell him. His own brothers sell him, right? And he goes from the, the, Midian, the Ishmaelites to the Midianites, and then he's taken into Potiphar's house. He gets sold to Potiphar, and then he gets promoted, and then he learns stewardship, and then he learns 
how to handle someone else's resources. If you cannot handle what is someone else's, you will not be entrusted with what is yours. If you cannot serve faithfully under someone, people will not be under you. If you do not use authority correctly, then you will abuse authority. See, one of the things that people abuse and misuse is authority and favor. Those are two things that you have to have a major encounter with God and a major revelation of yourself for you to learn how to steward power correctly. Because many people, we were talking about this yesterday over lunch, a little <laughs> about how people abuse power. And uh, that's very detrimental. So he, he has to learn stewardship in Potiphar's house. He has to learn how to steward his sexuality. He has to learn how to resist temptation. And then he, went, he, he was tested. So the first thing that he did was stupid. He tells half-brothers his whole dream. And he, he's speaking evil of his brothers to his father. He is the antagonistic one. And no one wants to be around him. In the beginning of his life, nobody wanted to be around him. At the end of his life, everyone wanted to be around him. That's the difference when God works in someone, and I can identify with that when no one once likes you. There might be a reason nobody likes you. <laughs> so anyway, that's another story. Uh, I can tell you that firsthand. That I probably gave people a reason not to like me. And so it's, it's very different when God works in your life and people view you as an asset to them. This is what I want to talk about uh, as we get into this message. Because some of God wants to take some of us from being liabilities to assets. What's a liability? Basic is a car payment that's too much. That's a liability. What's an asset? Something that you own and you can sell and it's yours. You, you, you own it. It doesn't own you. So that's the difference between a liability and an asset. So, <clears throat> um, all right. So then he gets sold. And then he gets falsely accused. So he, the one tribulation he brought on himself, right? He, his stupidity brought, you're getting sold. The word of the Lord is the sun, the moon, and the stars are going to bow down to you. The very next scene, he's looking up at his brothers in a pit while they're eating lunch without him. <clears throat> the word of the Lord will test you before it blesses you. And the word of the Lord will prepare you for what God has for you. See, because he wasn't ready for that. You know why? Because he thought it was about him. If you think it's about you, you're sadly mistaken. When people start going, I don't feel, I don't think, I don't, there's too much I. What did God say? Very simple. You cannot be on mission and be I, 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 I. You, you think the Navy SEALs talk to their commanding officer, well, you know, I don't want to go there. I don't feel it. I don't agree with you. They're going to be like, you're going to jump out of a helicopter. You know, <laughs> you're going to jump out of a plane at 32,000 feet. You're going to land here. This is what you're going to do. Come back alive. If you don't come back alive, we'll bury you and your family will get a flag and a pension. You signed up for the mission. Do the mission. You signed up. Do the mission. It's not about how you feel, how you think. It's about what God said. Do it. So he goes to Potiphar's house. Then he's going to get himself into a, a, a real trial, but it's, it's actually different from stupid. So the consequences of stupid are not the same as the consequences of faithful. Sometimes people are dealing with the consequences of stupid, thinking that it's a trial from God when they brought it on themselves. So that's a whole different story. So I, I've been through all these and I'm telling you there's a difference between stupid and faithful. And so then Potiphar's wife wants to sleep with him. He says, no. He gets falsely accused, thrown into prison. What does he learn in prison? He learns how to steward dreams, how to deal with difficult people. Nobody in prison is easy. So he, he learns very, very important things. He also learns to die to selfish ambition. Because when he interpreted the dream, he's like, remember me, 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 me. As soon as he stands before Pharaoh, he's like, it's not me, it's God. So that's what two years in a prison taught him. So limitation is supposed to kill you. Stop reaching for life. Die. Die. Stop reaching for life and die so that you can live. Let, let, let God hedge you in and crucify you. Let him do it. Let him do that in your life so that he can raise you up. So then he gets released. They remember him. They only remember him through a need. Every time there's a crisis, the story moves forward, right? So then he goes and, and he's in. He, he interprets the dream of Pharaoh. He gives Pharaoh wisdom. He tells Pharaoh what to do. Pharaoh selects him. Pharaoh uh, makes him second in command. He becomes the, 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 the minister of finance 
in the most powerful nation in the world. He becomes the CFO of Egypt, second only to Pharaoh. And spiritually, he was Pharaoh's daddy. So, so you can say that really, in, in reality, in God's economy, Joseph is ruling the world. God is ruling the world through Joseph, not Pharaoh. Pharaoh doesn't even know if he's coming or going. This is our, this is our society. They get on TV, our president is stumbling. The other people don't know what the heck is going on. There's no wisdom. There's no insight. There's no discernment. They need the word of the Lord. God is still raising up prophets and apostles, people who bear the word of the Lord for their generation. Because the world is in chaos. And the world has no solution for the world. That's why when Pharaoh went to Egypt, nothing. So anyway, the children of Israel come back and forth three times. Finally, they come in the land. This is what I want to get into. Jacob lived under a false assumption for 22 years that his son was dead. You, you, God's promise to us is to lead us into all truth. If we live under false assumptions because we've trusted the wrong people, it robs the quality of our life. Imagine living for 22 years thinking your son is dead when your son, in fact, is one of the most powerful men in the whole entire world. See, that's, that's the fruit of trusting the wrong people. So you have to really learn in your life who to trust and who not to trust. And then the second level of the second measure of maturity of that is sometimes you're supposed to listen to someone, but not everything they say, which is real tricky. But if you haven't learned who to listen to, then you'll definitely not learn when. So these are, these are things that God matures in you as, you as you get discernment. So God calls Israel in, in Genesis 46, he calls him twice Jacob. He calls him his old name. You know why? Because for 22 years he was living like Jacob. The deceiver was deceived himself. That's the nature of deception. For 22 years, Israel was acting like Jacob. God hadn't spoke to a long time. and God comes and says, Jacob, Jacob. God has a personality. If you think that Jesus is a hippie vegan who's like, amen, peace, man. Like, no. Jesus is like, you haven't heard from me a long time. Jacob, Jacob! See? So then, Jacob responds, and he goes to Beersheba, and he offers an offering to the Lord. And, and the Lord says, I'm going to make you a mighty nation. you got to go in there. And so he goes in, and he obeys the Lord. So his response to God, speaking to him, was an offering, was generosity. That's an important thing to learn. Learning to respond to God with gratitude is essential. Sent ones are cultural and social engineers. I'm repeating this from last week on purpose, just so you know. Uh, Joseph uh, knows how to get his family into Egypt under the radar. The Egyptians despised shepherds. They were an abomination to them. They were like nobodies. Okay? Which means they're not viewed as a threat. So God says, all right, we're going to get him in. We're going to get him in through a shepherd, and we're going to take him out through a shepherd. See that? Moses' name, you know what it means? Drawing out. He was drawn out of the water, and he drew the people out of Egypt. Okay? So God is, is a master at culture. We're not, especially when we become religious. But God is a master at culture, at navigating culture with wisdom. So he's like, yeah, shepherds are no big deal. Cool. I'll get him in there. I'll use the affliction of these greedy people to multiply them. And then with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, I'll take them and I'll take their gold on the way out and I'll take their future, their firstborn son. I'll curse their future for oppressing my people. See, People, let me say this to you, people only get away with it for so long. You can only oppress people for so long and then God says, nope, nope, nope. And so we're, we're, we might be in a nope season coming soon. But, <laughs> but anyway, that's another story. So anyway, all right, let's move on here. 
Let me read here. You're going to see this is a Hebrew word. Hebrew words are kind of like ghetto words. You know what a ghetto word is? I'm going to give you a ghetto word. We use the word dime. Dime. I can say she's a dime. Which does that mean? What does that mean, Joseph? You just know? <laughs> He's so saved he forgot. A dime means a 10 out of 10. She's in good condition. She's in good condition. Not a lot of mileage. She's a dime. She, a dime could also mean $10 bag of weed. Right? You guys remember that? Some of you still know about that. Some of you, some of you are still getting saved. So, so a dime can also mean 10 cents. So why am I using ghetto terminology? I'm trying to show you that Hebrew words are like pictures. They're not, they're not like American words. I love hot chocolate. I love my wife. I love, it's, it's such a flat. In Greek, there's four words for love to be descriptive. So in Spanish and Portuguese and Arabic and Greek and Hebrew, words are like pictures and there's more feeling and meaning to them. But English is really a flat language. I'm sorry to, to say that to all the white people. But this is, honestly, this is honestly really true. So anyway, let's go to Genesis 47. Then Joseph went and told Pharaoh and said, My father, uh, my father and my brothers and their flocks and their herds and all they possess have come to the land of Canaan and indeed they're in the land of Goshen. And he took five men from among his brothers and presented them to Pharaoh. When Pharaoh sa uh, said to his brothers, what is your occupation? They said to Pharaoh, your servants are shepherds, both we and, our, and also our fathers. And they said to Pharaoh, we have come to dwell in the land because your servants have no pasture for their flocks, for the famine is severe in the land of Canaan. There, now, therefore, please let your servants dwell in the land of Goshen. Then Pharaoh spoke to Joseph, saying, Your father and your brethren have come to you. The land of Egypt is before you. Have your fathers and brothers dwell in the best of the land, and let them dwell in the land of Goshen. And if you know any competent men among them, then make them chief herdsmen over my livestock. So he's looking, Pharaoh is looking for competent men. Do you know what we have today in the world? A lack of confident men. Do you know what war destroys? Men. It takes what a woman and a, what a woman and a child need most. The man. It leaves widows and orphans poor and overly vulnerable. That's what war does. In our society, through the feminization of men, we lack confident men. So if you're like that, you better be careful because you will get attention from women. You have to be very, very careful because women gravitate toward strong, confident men. And so you can really, you got to be real careful because now there's less of a pool to pick from. So you stick out more if you're not soft and gay and weak. And, and hey, and flim flam, this is, really the, this is a really a thing. It's really a situation. So Pharaoh is looking for competent men, and the word there is power, strength, wealth, property, competent, brave, landowner, army, upper class, strength, efficiency, wealth, so, so you see, this is the, the, the word competent in English gets translated all these different ways in Hebrew. That's why I use the ghetto terminology dime for you, to give you a hood parable here, to show you that this has a very robust meaning. God is trying to paint a picture with this word. And you know, this is the, still the need. Competent men. We, you can have a lot of competent women. They're like... Renaissance people, and and men, I'm. Not, it's like what, what? So we need. We have a big problem in our society. We need competent men. Pharaoh was looking for competent men. Do you know what that means? He didn't have any. 
Pharaoh had a personnel issue. That's why when I say things to Brett like, oh, your job needs you, or Monica, they need you at your work. They do need you. Because they're lacking competent people. Powerful people. People who have self-control. People who are wise. This is people who make wise choices. So now, Joseph brings the people before Pharaoh, and now he brings five of his brothers. Do you know five is a number of grace? Think of the fivefold ministry. He brings grace to Pharaoh. And the thing that I want to just remind you of is that Joseph's family was in Goshen, and it's like God blessed Goshen, and it was like Goshen was protected and blessed by God for his people. I mean, the whole world is in a famine, but not Goshen. I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not, in, I'm not doing a famine. I'm not doing a famine. God put a prince in a palace, and God put shepherds in a pasture. What does that mean? It means that even in hard times, there's a place for you. There's a place for you. There's a place for you. If you start to feel orphan, like there's no place for you, you know what you try to do? You try to make a place for yourself. And you know what you do? You curse yourself with an orphan spirit. With a poverty mentality, with a lack mentality, trying to sell yourself, improve yourself, and instead of let God set a place for you. You know what Jesus said? It's bridal language, is what Hebrew men would do. I go and prepare a place for you. If God has a place for me at his table, and God is saying let heaven come to earth, then that means there's a place for me on the earth, because the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, and they that dwell therein. So that means there's a place for me. So that means that I'm not a trespasser. That means wherever the soles of your feet go, that place belongs to you. We're kingdom people. The earth is your father's. You know when, when your children, when, when they know that, that, that you own something, they, they, they were like, oh, that's my dad's. This is mine. They think it's theirs. But they don't have any questions or any insecurities, and we are looking for the first ticket out of here while Islam is making seven or ten babies. The Jewish people will die for land, literally ground, dirt. And we, what are we producing? Christians that are back and forth, that love the world, that are not committed, that are in feelings. These people will bleed. Are you, are you understanding? We, we are contending with houses that will bleed and shed blood. And we're like, we, we have to really, we, we got we to gotta wake up and, 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 and become sober-minded because we are contending with people who will give everything. All right, there is provision for you. You are not an orphan. Poverty is not your portion. If the Lord is leading you, you shall not lack. Do you know how many decisions people make based on lack? Do you know what poverty does? Poverty makes people mentally ill. They see everything through a grid of what I don't have. And you will never overcome the reality of poverty until you overcome the mentality of poverty. So poverty is not only a reality, but first it's a mentality. Poverty is not a lack of resources. It's a lack of opportunity. And as my spiritual father Steve said, uh, that opportunity unlocks potential. So it's not a lack of resource. It's a lack of opportunity. And it's the opportunity that unlocks the potential. So you have to address the mentality of lack in your mind. And if you think that it's just about money, that you're mistaken. It's about time, energy, relationships. It affects every area of your life, lack. All right. 
The favor on Joseph's life gave his brothers food, land, and jobs. The favor God gives you is for others to benefit from as well. The favor is for the assignment. The assignment. It's not about personality. This is not a cult. It's about an assignment. When it becomes personality driven, it's cultish. Okay. Misusing favor is an abuse of power. So, so when, when you have favor with people, you have asking power. Which means that you have the power to ask them and they'll do it. You cannot abuse that or misuse that because you will lose that and you will hurt people. And people will be mad at God because you misuse what he gave you. That's like if you give me an iPad and I say, I'm going to go for a little walk. I'm going to read on the iPad. And then I use your iPad as a hammer to, to smash a nail in so I can hang a painting of myself in my office. <laughs> and then I give you your broken iPad back and then you hate me. What happened? I misused what you entrusted me with and it damaged the relationship. It's the same thing if someone gives you favor or an opportunity and, and you misuse it. All right. So Joseph, his brothers get jobs. Now, then Joseph brought in his father, Jacob, and set him before Pharaoh. And Jacob blessed Pharaoh. This is so interesting. Jacob has in his hands the ability to bless. Pharaoh does not have that. Pharaoh can give you land. Pharaoh can give you bread. Pharaoh does not carry the blessing of the Lord. Money doesn't make you rich. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich. The Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes you rich and adds no sorrow. Pharaoh, his, his, his future and his generations in, in just a few hundred years are going to be wiped out and we're still praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who fully revealed and manifested himself in Jesus of Nazareth who is a Jewish man, fully God and fully man. So you worship a Jewish man, just so you know. So if you say dumb anti-Semitic things, you don't really know what you're talking about. I'm just going to tell you that. You, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know your faith. You don't know the Bible. So, so you have to watch your mouth, what you speak. Just because there's corrupt people in, in certain places, don't start saying dumb things. Don't let the world shape how you view things. Let the scripture shape how you understand reality. So this is really something. So Jacob said, uh, Pharaoh said to Jacob, how old are you? Jacob said to Pharaoh, the days of the years of my pilgrimage. <laughs> what an answer. Oh, my Lord. Uh, are 130 years. Few and evil have been the days of the years of my life. They have not attained to the days of the years of the life of my fathers in the days of their pilgrimage. So Jacob blessed Pharaoh. That's twice. And he went out before Pharaoh. And Joseph situated his father and his brothers and gave them a possession in the land of Egypt in the best of the land. Look at Joseph. He gives them the best. They gave him their worst. They sold him. He gives them a job. See, that's what it is to be big in the kingdom. You just show mercy to people and you bless people that curse you. Because if someone is cursing you, it's because they're cursed. They live with a curse, so that's what they speak. I don't live in a curse, so I'm not going to curse you. God bless you. And you have to learn to detach yourself from people's opinions of you. Because what people think of you doesn't matter. What God thinks of you, that's what matters. Why would you care about the opinion of someone that doesn't care about you? That when, people, when people sweat critics, to me it never makes any sense. Because you are concerning yourself with someone who is not concerned about you. Forgive them, bless them, pray for them, and move on. Don't let that live in your head or in your heart. Now, God wants to make you an asset not a liability. I'm going to give you a biblical example of what I'm talking about so you know what I'm talking about. I'm not making this up. 
Isaiah 6, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. In the year King Uzziah died, Isaiah sees God as a king. So whatever you're lacking, God wants to be that for you. There's no king on the throne in Israel, but in heaven there's a king on a throne. Heaven is not operating on lack. There's no vacant space there. It's occupied. So whatever you're lacking, God wants to be that. So Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up. Train of his robe fills the temple. And then all of a sudden, he gets a revelation of himself. He goes, whoa, I'm a man with unclean lips. God never said, hey, you've been talking dirty. You've been saying cusses. You've been cussing. We have cussing saints. <laughs> God didn't say that to him. God didn't say anything to him. He just revealed himself and goes, whoa. I'm a man of unclean lips. You know what that was? His mouth at that time in his life was a liability. The angel gets a call from the altar and touches his mouth and cleanses and sanctifies it. Who prophesied more about the Messiah than Isaiah? Nobody. When God heals you and when God sanctifies you, your greatest liability becomes your greatest asset. But under the hand and the discipline of sanctification and the dealing of God, first starting with a God encounter, second with a self-disclosure. See, when you see someone who does, they are not self-aware, you know what they're really lacking? A real God encounter. They never met the fire on the altar. They never been touched by the, they never had a high and lifted up. So they're, they're in la la land. They think everyone's good. They're nice. They don't understand really where they are because they lack a God encounter. So when you're dealing with someone who really battles self-awareness is usually trauma has helped them isolate themselves into a pseudo reality that is not real. Instead of going through the painful work of healing and an encounter with God. And if you want anything more than an encounter with God, what you'll have is that and not an encounter with God. So when someone has an encounter with God, the first thing that is revealed to them is their brokenness and the greatest liability they have in their life. Which for Isaiah was at this moment his mouth. But when God touches it and sanctifies it, he prophesied more about the Messiah. In fact, people say that Isaiah is the Bible within the Bible because Isaiah has 66 books. And, and there's a whole, Isaiah is a profound, the whole gospel is in Isaiah. The age to come, I mean, Isaiah saw the whole situation. And, and he was also sawed in half, that's another story. But, uh, you know, and he was, the point is that when a, when a touch from God happens in your life, you're hopefully not the same. Hopefully when, when the touch of God comes on your life, there is a transformation of a liability into an asset. Okay? Unhealthy, uh, unhealed, unhealthy, immature people are a liability. Healed, healthy, and mature people are an asset. The reason I'm talking in this language is because when you talk about money, it's black and white. Do you know when Jesus spoke about forgiveness, he spoke about money? He did. He talked about the cancellation of debts. So I'm, I'm using this same language to help you understand that if you are not healthy, you are a risk to yourself, to the people you love, and to the people that you're surrounded with. It's kind of like if you have a, a sickness that is contagious. If you are unhealthy... If you are mature, if you are not healed, you have a contagious sickness. And you have to let God heal you. We're not telling you to put a mask on and stay home. We're saying actually come to the altar and get healed. Let God heal you. Let God work in you so that you don't infect other people. What happens to, to, to someone who has a, a root of bitterness? And he speaks. It defiles how many? Many. 
one root defiles many. The enemy is always looking to defile people through things that other people speak. Do not let people defile you or defile your opinion of, of God or yourself or your situation through their bitterness. Many times people speak from their resentment, from their bitterness. Many times when you hear someone, I've, I've been learning this more and more, that when you hear someone speaking a high level of negative, it is their self-dialogue that is being externally communicated outwardly and it has nothing to do with you. When, when someone speaks, they're revealing them. All right. The life of Joseph. Now, when you have zeal, you do dumb things, which often puts you in a tough position and God uses those situations to help you get wisdom. That was like, everyone's going to bow down to me. I'm the greatest. I got the coat. Yep, you're getting sold. <laughs> you're going to go through a real painful process. Um, also, God is bigger than those that don't like you. Always remember that. Ne never, never sweat if people don't like you. Most of the people, if I can tell you the God's honest truth, most of the people that don't like you will never do anything good or meaningful to you and for you anyway. So you're not losing anything. Like, I never sweated when people leave the church. Never. You know why? Because people are gone before they leave. And I would rather have someone leave than infect who's here. So if you're not feeling it, all good. Keep, that's all good. God bless you. I hope you find somewhere that you can feel it. Because this is not a job interview and I'm not on trial. <laughs> like, you don't like, you're good. We're good. I, you know. Anyway. All right. Forgiving people and yourself is the only way to move forward in the life of faith. So I have to ask God to forgive me for the wicked things that I've done. I have to forgive other people before they say they're sorry. And I also have to forgive myself. Now, let me give you the context of forgiving myself. I don't have the power to forgive my sins. I don't mean it in that sense. But I mean when God chooses to forgive me, I need to receive that. And if it's like, a, let's say that's like a shirt. I need to receive that shirt and put it on and let that shirt mark my experience. Not say, okay, I recognize that, but I'm not going to live from that. And then I live with self-bitterness, self-doubt, self-hatred. I do all kinds of self-sabotaging stuff that is destructive to who I'm becoming. That's what many Christians do in their life. They, they, don't have, they have not had a revelation that they have self-bitterness in their life. So they do self-destructive things. All right. God is always preparing you for the next season of your life. If you were paying attention in the last season, you are ready for this season. For those of you who weren't here earlier, I was telling us nicely and graciously with a great nice smile that we are not ready for what God wants to do. We're not. When Peter, when, when, first, when God first called Peter, I'm going to show you the Bible so you don't feel it's about you. When God first called Peter, he said to him, Peter, cast the nets. He cast the net. The net broke. When God restored him, he said, cast the nets. He cast the nets, and the nets did not break because he didn't throw a net. He threw the nets, plural. Partial obedience cannot contain the full blessing, but partial obedience and half-hearted obedience is because of brokenness in the soul. And God wants to restore that so that you can contain the full blessing that comes from wholehearted obedience. Wholehearted obedience is not going through the motions. Wholehearted obedience is getting the heart of God and going after the heart of God and living in the blessing of what comes with obedience. You know that when God called Peter and when God restored Peter, there was a harvest in both of those seasons. So even if you're getting restored, even if you failed, even if you messed up, God still has a harvest for you. Even in your failure, God has a blessing for you. Isn't that good? We serve a good God. He's better than me. I'd be like, you're, you're done. I'd be like, get a new team. Fire everybody. You know, I, it's like, <laughs> anyway, he's so merciful to us. All right, let's continue. Some of you are happy we're almost done. Don't worry. Now, God wants to make you a blessing. Let me, let me give you an example. Blessed people make everything better. 
Have you ever noticed that? I will just use Tina as an example. Tina just makes everything better. Since your friend is here, I'm going to do this for you. <laughs> she, didn't, she, didn't, she didn't pay me. She didn't, she didn't pay me. But she goes to prayer, she makes it better. We get a flyer, she makes the flyer better. She, people are doing some feelings, she helps them get better. I mean, she just makes everything. DK is always smiling. You know, he's, he's good. So people who are blessed make everything better. Okay. This is the goal of God for your life. God said to Abram, who was going to become Abraham, Abram was not going to be a blessing. <laughs> Abram created Ishmael. And you can see Ishmael is not blessing anyone. <laughs> they're firing rockets. They're upset. They're feeling rejected. Very angry. Orphaned. Very angry. They've been cast out, so they're upset. They're upset. Rejection always triggers anger. But that's what lust produced. Abram did not, Abraham did not create that. Abram created that. Abraham created Isaac. Do you know why Isaac never had to be renamed? Because God named him. Abram was renamed. Jacob was renamed. Isaac was not renamed. He was the son of promise. God named him. Laughter. God named the kid Laughter. That, that tells you that God is about joy. Religious people hate joy. Miserable people hate to see people happy. Don't you know the world is on fire? I do know that, but I'm still happy. <laughs> I'm not happy that the world is on fire, but if I'm going to help the world, I probably should be happy and have joy because they don't need more sorrow, anguish, and, and, and skepticism and doubt, and they don't need that. They need love and joy and peace. They need the kingdom, and the kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what they need. So... When Joseph was young, he was spiteful, antagonistic, zealous, overly spiritual, dumb. He lacked self-awareness. He lacked emotional intelligence, but he was called. And no one wanted to be around him. I feel like that's a description of a 23-year-old Adam. <laughs> I mean, seriously, just dumb. And, but when Joseph was older and when he was wiser and when he was pressed and he was processed and he was crucified and when he learned to have self-control and he learned forgiveness and he learned how to steward power and he learned how to use favor Everyone wants Joseph around. When you are finished, when God is finished with the work in you, people who want to get better and want to move forward should want you around. One of the things I want to encourage you about is stop putting yourself with and around people who don't want you. It would be better for you to be celebrated by three people than tolerated by 20. Because if you're tolerated by 20, there is no energy, resources, power, or initiative to help you or to do anything good for you. And a relationship that is not helping both ways is not a relationship, it's a ministry. Some of you don't have relationship, you have ministry. That's not the same. A relationship and a ministry is not the same thing. A ministry is serving. A relationship is back and forth. This is why sometimes people marry a project instead of a person. Okay. Joseph was an asset to God, his family, Pharaoh, and the world at large. In 13, watch this. Let me continue. 
in verse 9. Jacob said to Pharaoh, no, he did 11, excuse me, 47, 11. And Joseph situated his father and his brethren and gave them possession of the land of Egypt in the best of the land and the land of Ramses as Pharaoh had commanded them. Then Joseph provided his father, his brethren, and all his father's household with bread according to the number of their families. Verse 13, now there was no bread in all of the land. Now there was no bread in all of the land. The verse before, and Joseph provided for his father and his brothers. Joseph was Pharaoh's daddy and Joseph was his father's daddy. Joseph was the one that God was providing through because he embraced the process of God through the hands of Joseph. Not for Joseph, not just Joseph, but through Joseph. So the blessing has to come to you so it could come through you. God said, I will bless you and make you a blessing. So I'm going to bless you so good and so heavy and so hard that you become a blessing. And where you go, the blessing goes. And people love to be around blessing. You see this in Africa where the little kids come up to you. You've seen it. And they run up to you and they stand there and they look at you. And they want you to put your hand on their head and pray for them and bless them because they have faith that because your life is better than theirs, if you pray for them, their life will get better. Everyone wants to be around a blessing. God wants to make us a blessing. Do you know that the gospel is an announced blessing? And it's announced favor to all people, anyone who receive it, it's a blessing. You don't receive the blessing, you'll be judged by it. But the judgment of God is only for those that reject the mercy of God. It's not, it, God doesn't go, well, I can't wait to judge you. No, the mercy of God is for you, but if you don't accept mercy, you get judgment. There was no bread in all the land, for the famine was severe. So the land of Egypt and the land of Canaan languished because of the famine. Joseph gathered up all the money that was found in the land of Egypt, in the land of Canaan, for the grain which they had bought. And Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. There is a reason that Pharaoh has Joseph, because Joseph is an asset to Pharaoh. This is the type of thing I said to Brett many times. They need you at your job. This is important. You have to understand this. They need you. They need, Monica, they need you. DK, they need you at your job. Now, Joseph brought the money into Pharaoh's house. So when the money had failed in the land of Egypt and in the land of Canaan, all the Egyptians came to Joseph and said, give us bread for why should we die in your presence? For the money has failed. Imagine this happened in Zimbabwe. Currency was not worth the money it was printed on. Mugabe destroyed his own economy so badly, that's how corrupt they were in Zimbabwe, that it was not worth the money, the, the paper that it was printed on. This has happened in a modern world, if you, if you check it. He, he's, they're saying that the, the economy has failed. But Joseph has bread. See, not everything is about money. Sometimes you need bread. Sometimes you need water. Sometimes you need gold. So you have to learn to let the Lord lead you because you cannot eat your iPhone. One of the greatest commodities in the future will be water. I've been sowing a lot of water. I'm not going to go thirsty, I'll tell you that. I don't know about you. So when the money failed in the land of Egypt, okay, verse 16, let me jump ahead. That give your livestock and I will give you bread for your livestock if the money is gone. Now Joseph is a shrewd trader. Joseph says, listen, you got no money? No problem. We take Bitcoin. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> you got no money? No problem. Give me your animals and your herds, and I'll give you bread. Can I tell you something about being desperate? That's dumb. I'd rather have a steak than some, some bread. Better just make you 
but steak is. But you see, when you're desperate, you're dumb. You're dumb. You do dumb things. You do, I'll trade you these. You just, I'm, I've done dumb stuff, trust me. I'm not pointing. But they're dumb because they're desperate. Because they were not prepared. Guess who was prepared? Joseph was prepared. Wisdom and faith equals preparation. Say this, wisdom, wisdom. plus faith plus equals preparation. We have to be prepared. If you think America, if you think that we cannot get hit, you have forgotten 9/11 and you're probably just young. We are very vulnerable as a nation. Like a drunk guy, a, a big muscle guy, drunk, stupering around out of a club at 3:30 in the morning in the wrong neighborhood. That is our nation. That is America. We are overly vulnerable right now. So even more of a time to prepare yourself spiritually, economically, mentally, emotionally, having reserves. You know, I, I, there was something that I experienced as a child. I didn't, know, I didn't know it and I didn't understand it. But now I understand it. I had a grandma, and in, in Greek, grandma's yaya. So we had crazy Italians on one side, and if you're from New Jersey, they were Essex County, and you had normal Greeks, they were Bergen County, like sophisticated, like money in the bank, like smart, like that, and then the other side was crazy Italians, and when I would go to my Yaya's house, which is Grandma Greek, I would go down the stairs, and there was a pantry, and in the pantry, the pantry was full with a stockpile of food. A whole room. I go this way, left, right, and boom. Food from the floor to the ceiling. And I go, ain't that something? And I never knew why. I'll tell you why. World War II. See? People who have been through something are conditioned to make preparation. I'm not talking about fear and hiding. I'm talking about it could get real. And it's too late to prepare when it's time. That's why it's always critical for you to be paying attention to what God is doing in your life in this season because he's preparing you for the next season. You don't want to step through the doors of, into next season not aware. And not prepared. And that is a concern that I have. But anyway, Joseph was an asset to God. He represented the kingdom well. Supernaturally, with wisdom, interpreting dreams. Are you guys with me? He was an asset to Pharaoh. You're going to see that Joseph buys up all of the land of Egypt. Joseph was into real estate. Prophetic dream interpretation. You know prophetic people are not supposed to be broke? You're going to tell me you have revelation from heaven and you're broke? I'm not, that's not the type of revelation I'm looking for. <laughs> oh my Lord, Jesus. You can keep that type of revelation. You know, <laughs> He, he was into real estate, land, commodities, trade. He was a, uh, what do you call those, headhunters? He got people jobs. I mean, this is a diversified dude, man. He was a builder. He built storehouses. He was a future prepper. I mean, he was like, you know, he's like, I mean, he, I mean this guy was someone that God formed and fashion to save the world. So he was an asset not only to Pharaoh, not only to his father, not only to his brothers who sold him 
but to God primarily, which made him and equipped him for all those other things. Do you know that your relationship with God is the one relationship that fuels every other relationship? If I'm not good with God, I do not have what my wife and children need from me. People are like family over everything. No, Jesus over everything. Because without Jesus, I don't have what my family needs. My family doesn't need more of Adam. Trust me. What they need is more of Jesus through Adam and Jesus in Adam. The world doesn't need more of you and more of I. The, the world needs more of Jesus. And that is the relationship that fuels and, and, and empowers us for every other relationship. So because the relationship with God was correct, then he could relate to his father correctly who never sent anyone to find out if he was dead. How would you feel if you were gone for 22 years and your father never even confirmed you were dead, your own father? He had real reason to have a daddy issue, but instead he became Pharaoh's daddy. You, you got to make a choice. Are you going to live in reaction and response to what happened to you? Or are you going to let God work within you and remove the limitations of what you didn't have so that you could become who God says that you are. So he was an asset to his brothers. He got them jobs. He got them land. He got them bread. He had, he, they found that they were shepherds. He said, I've got a pastor for you. The only place on earth where there's food, his brothers go. And look at God taking his people and caring for his people even when his people misrepresented him. God is a good God. I don't not feed my kids because they act up. God is a good God. And don't think because there's provision that God is pleased with you. Don't think because you have provision that he's pleased with what you do. Don't think because God is patient with you that what you're doing is okay. That's, 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 a, that's a big mistake. So anyway, all these things, Joseph at the end of his uh, life, I was trying not to do this, is doing this. This is not even helping me. I'm trying. I'm a recovering, I'm a recovering hostage. It's like, dang. like so Joseph at the end of his life, Jacob at the end of his life, he blesses Joseph's sons, and he takes Ephraim uh, and Manasseh, who were born in the land of Egypt. Do you know that out of the 12 tribes, two of the tribes are half African? So this whole thing of that God is, 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 this is a white man thing. These people that don't even know what they're talking about. People that say these things or don't know what they're talking about. Two of the tribes are half African. Just so you know. The Bible is a brown story. It's not, you know, it's like, it's not a conservative Republican white uh, story. Sorry to, you know, you know, share that with you in such a hateful way. Um, but yeah. So then Jacob brings the two brothers, Ephraim and Manasseh, and the younger one is over here, and the older one is over here, and Jacob crosses his hands, and you see the cross. All through the book of Genesis, you see the cross, and you see altars. Abraham walks the, 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 the length and the width of the promised land. That's the pattern of the cross. The cross brings us into promise. Then Jacob blesses his two sons. Isaac lays his son on the altar of the cross. The cross is all through the book of Genesis. And he blesses them. Do you know Simon of Cyrene? Do you know the guy that helped Jesus carry a cross was African? Anyway. So he blesses them. They get blessed. And, and you know, I want to just end this because we've we got to end here. There's no way to end. This is an eternal gospel. <laughs> okay. Hebrews 11. Now, Hebrews is fascinating because it shows you our family of faith through the lens of the cross. And it doesn't remember the transgressions of these crazy people. Like, if you read about these people, like, they did really dumb things that you could definitely write about. Like, they would definitely make a good blog. And yet, in the memory of God, he remembers them for good. That's what mercy does. 
So now he writes about Jacob and Joseph. I want you to just hear this. This is so fascinating to me. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph. Did Listen to this. The only thing it says about Jacob and Joseph. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. The African peoples are not cursed. That was a lie propagated by white people by, who have the idea of white supremacy, which is not, it's not true, it's demonic. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph. It does not even mention the sons that sold their brothers. They were not mentioned, although they were blessed. They were not mentioned. He's blessing his grandchildren. The Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. Not all inheritances are money. Sometimes it is the blessing of God that comes on the next generation. Sometimes the blessing of God overlooks a generation and falls on the next generation. That's another message. That's a whole other message there. We're going to stay out of that. Okay. Now. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on the top of his staff. So when, you, when, you, when the world says you're old, you're weak, you're done, you have nothing to offer, God says you still carry the blessing. See, the most neglected people in our society are babies in the womb and old people. All right. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. Listen to this. This is really something. Now, Joseph didn't sleep with Potiphar's wife. I mean, that's a major exploit. If you're not gay. That's a major thing. Joseph forgave his brothers. That's a major thing. Joseph stinking saved the world through a prophetic revelation. I mean, that's a big thing. Are, are you guys okay? Yeah. We're almost done. Don't worry. I mean, that's a big thing. Are, are you with me? Yet... The exploit that Hebrews remembers is that he did not lose the vision. Whose vision? His vision? God's vision. See that? He was remembering the promise and the promised land and the people, and he said, take my bones out of here. Don't leave me here. That was the exploit of faith that Hebrews mentioned. Isn't that interesting what God remembers? God remembers what you do not forget. Don't forget what God said to you. Don't forget what God said to you. Don't forget what God said to you. When God shows you something, don't forget what God says. Hold on to it. Even if you don't see hold on to it. Hold on to it. That was how Hebrews summed up the life of Joseph. Now, I would have wrote something totally different about Joseph. But God remembered that he didn't forget. That he didn't let his position or his prosperity or his effectiveness forget the real purpose, which is the people of God living in the promised land and the blessing of God coming through the people of God to all of the families of the earth, which includes Pharaoh's. So even Joseph to Pharaoh is a gift. The five brothers, the fivefold ministry, the, the grace gifts, the people who are gifts. Do you know that Goshen only had food because God's people were going there. The Lord is the ruler of heaven and earth. He's the one that makes it rain. He's the one. God is the one. That place only had green pastures because God peoples were going there. And God leeches people to green pastures and still waters. Goshen was alive and flourishing because God's people were going to Goshen. And I don't know what you're going through, but I'm not. I'm not. There's no famine where I'm going to be. I don't know about you. We're not slowing down. Everyone was like, we're stopping during COVID. We didn't stop anything. God never told us to stop. 
God changed his mind? You, you think we get a new president, God changes his mind? Do you know the same transgressions that, that were here with the other one or here with this one and never here with the next one? And the church and the mission of the church and the mission of the kingdom never changes. We need to be people who are about our father's business, period. No matter what, no matter what, no matter when, this is the mission. We're going to move forward as kingdom people. And I want to see you accomplish the mission that God sent you to do. Always ask God, God, what is the assignment that you have for me? Because the assignment is where the blessing flows from. The abundance comes from, it comes on the assignment. What is it that God wants from you? Because that, that's where he will bless you. That's where he will be an instrument through you. That's where he will give you favor and give you opportunity. Let's just pray. God, we thank you for your people that you have a purpose and a place and a person for every one of your people. And so, Lord, we ask you to help us to be kingdom representatives, that we would be an asset to every place that you're sending us, that we would carry the blessing of God, the blessing as the sons of Abraham in Christ Jesus, that we would be the children of Abraham, of the seed of promise, carrying the blessing and the favor of God, releasing the power of God, living in the provision of God, living with the protection of God, living from the truth and the wisdom of God. Lord, I'm asking you that you would make us a sign in our generation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.